Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 57. Today we're going to touch on some news. We got some unfortunate news. I mean, if you weren't watching, then I don't know where you were. Maybe you tore your ACL <laughs> as well because like, it seems like half the league just got hurt this past week. Um, so we're going to touch on that a little bit and kind of run through uh, who is out, who is uh, on the fringe of playing, who isn't. Um, some interesting quote from Anthony Lynn that I kind of want to touch on just a uh, some shade being thrown at my guy Herbert, who played pretty well. And then we're going to go into our winners and losers for the week and some uh, games of the week for next week, for this upcoming uh, weekend. But first and foremost, got Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me as per usual. How are you both doing? I feel the need to offer the Niners my left or right knee or both and give them to Nick Bosa. So I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm very sad. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would be too pain that's tough the Niners got hit hard and they got to play on that same field again this weekend which is maybe even worse so hopefully you know things calm down and that field is a little bit nicer to the 49ers Uh, so what's wrong with the field is it I mean is it the the turf is it it's a it's a new turf okay it's only since there's no preseason um limited practice it's only hasn't been broken in yet so it's a little Hmm. stickier and I mean it I don't think you can contribute all the injuries that happened in that game to the turf. It definitely doesn't help, but you can't contribute all that because the Giants and Steelers played there last Monday. Yeah. But the players were saying it's a little stickier. Uh, you can't cut as much because your leg will plant into the turf. So I'm not a turf specialist. I can't tell you uh, too much more about that. But yeah, it's uh, players don't like it. Yeah. Seems I mean, like it's... for good reason. Yeah. Yeah, it might be a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a placebo effect, but like a very small sample size of like, oh, we played there once and got hurt. and well, per- Yeah, probably Niner players are like having anxiety about playing there again. And, I would too, man. And the, yeah, the field could be okay, but you just saw half your team go down the week before. Yeah. You got back yeah. there again. That's, yeah, not good. Well, speaking of people going down, I mean, a lot of big names throughout the league this week uh, coming down, especially with ACLs. This is the most ACL injuries I've seen personally in a weekend. Um, I mean, we got Saquon Barkley. We got Nick Bosa. Uh, those are probably the biggest names. But Cortland Sutton as well from Den- from uh, Denver. Bruce Irvin. Uh, and then we come back to the Niners, Solomon Thomas, and then a few other players too. And then beyond ACLs, there's a ton of other injuries. I mean, what do we think? I mean, is this a fluke? Is this just sort of a freak coincidence? Or do we think, I mean, I want to get your guys' take on this, but do we think that the lack of uh, an official and proper offseason has an impact on these sort of things? I I think the lack of offseason affects more soft tissue injuries, Uh, pulled groins, pulled hamstring, maybe some conditioning things. But when, I mean, I can speak on behalf of the Niners injuries since I saw those live. I don't think any of those injuries had to do with lack of conditioning. Mm-hmm. I think it is, was really bad luck and just football happening. But, for example, you look at a guy, I mean, Blake Hooker, 20 Achilles. A lot of that stuff comes off of not being as strong in your lower body as you are anticipating it to be. Like kind of happened with Kevin Durant with the Warriors. We saw he was out for... Uh, two or three weeks with a calf injury and never got that strength back and kind of snapped it again. It's a freak injury, as always, 
But you have to think, what if he had two months beforehand to strengthen his body? Like he has his whole life until this point. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit both. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more training camp conditioning stuff than the lack of preseason games. Uh, even if you're just a little bit out of shape, I mean, mm-hmm. it takes a while to get into football shape. It takes, you know, a couple weeks. Sure. And if, especially towards the end of the game or the end of the half or something where you haven't had a ton of rest and all of a sudden you're more tired than you usually are and your form suffers and your technique suffers and then all of a sudden you're you're more vulnerable to be hurt because your teammates' form is also suffering. They're not doing their jobs as much. Now you're maybe in a worse position and so on down the line. So I think that may be playing an impact on it. But I, I think overall it's it's mostly just bad luck and it all sort of conglomerated into one week here. And I feel like we sort of get one of these weeks every yeah. year where it just seems like everybody gets hurt. Just and, never this early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, never this early, never this severe. You know, I mean, a lot of ACL injuries, a lot of serious, uh, you know, people out for the season, not just a few weeks. Um, so we're used to injuries. I mean, you know, it's part of the game. It's a contact sport. It's going to happen. But this was uh, definitely one of the worst weeks I've witnessed in terms of uh, injuries. And uh, some players will definitely be missed on some of these teams. Um, let's move on. We have an interesting quote from head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Anthony Lynn. So I watched this game. Um, I thought Herbert played really well. I mean, he, he kind of kept you in a game against the former Super Bowl champs, and, and they, they were leading for most of it. And, you know, Kansas City does what Kansas City does. They've done it numerous times to better teams than the Chargers. Um, but Anthony Lynn comes out and kind of kind of throwing some shade on my guy. What do you guys want to read this quote and uh, kind of give your opinion here? I don't know what uh, what we make of this. Yeah, I you know Herbert played well. He made a couple bad mistakes, and I will own that. Uh, you know, I I was not big on him coming out of college, but uh, for Anthony Lynn, number one, I didn't agree with his decision to punt in overtime. Yes, and then to come out after the game and say, "quote There's a lot we didn't get done with Justin on the field yesterday." He's a backup for a reason. To me, that reads as your rookie quarterback was put in a very difficult position and your head coach is not having that guy's back. And that does not read very well to me. Regardless of whether he did well or not, that's not really something you say to the media. That's not really something you say publicly where you're indicating that you don't have a ton of faith in your your number one pick. And that he's not developing quickly enough or didn't put your team in a position to win. Because he did. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they were in a position to win and probably should have won. And uh, I think Anthony Lynn's decisions in that game probably hurt them more than Justin Herbert's did. Yeah. I mean, first off, we brought up the punting on fourth and one uh, in overtime. Afterwards, he was like, yeah, you know, we're going to trust our defense. And if we didn't get it, then they would score. Well, I'll tell you, buddy. But anytime you give Patrick Mahomes the ball and tell him he has to get points on the board and he wins, yeah. you're going to lose. Like, that's just a 99% chance you'll lose that game, in my opinion. But in terms of what he said about Justin Herbert, I think he just is in love with Tyrod Taylor. Because I looked at past, I went on Charger fan boards, they were saying <laughs> how in the past when Philip Rivers struggled, he would always be kind of hyping up Tyrod Taylor. And I understand the need to kind of boost someone's ego who's not playing. But now he's your starter, and you have the sixth overall pick 
play incredibly well, as good as you can possibly imagine him playing. Yeah, he made a really bad interception, uh, made a few other mental mistakes, but he threw for over 300 yards, and that's something Tyrod Taylor has done once in his career. So yeah. obviously, yeah. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to Super Bowl this year. Uh, you're probably not being the playoffs. Ride with Herbert and let him learn on the job. He's a guy who has all the physical tools in the world, but needs to become a better passer, kind of better game manager in total. And yeah, he beforehand we didn't think he'd be there quite yet, but he's way farther along than we ever thought he'd be at this point. Yeah, yeah. he was also Go ahead, just Casey. quickly before Cyrus starts. Uh, Anthony Lynn also said, you know, we were working with like seventy percent of our playbook. Yep. And to me, like, okay, I, you know, you would like more, sure, but I think seventy percent of the playbook with Justin Herbert proved to be better than a hundred percent of the yes. playbook with Tyrod Taylor against the Bengals, who you barely beat and shouldn't have beat because the Bengals missed a kick at the end of the end of uh, regulation. And the Chiefs' defense looked great against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Yeah. So. I'm going to say a hot take here. If Tyrod Taylor plays, this is a blowout and, and the Chiefs win by a massive margin. Mm-hmm. I think Herbert proved a lot to a lot of doubters, and clearly it wasn't enough for Anthony Lynn, uh, which is a little surprising because this guy you pick sixth overall is your future. And at some point, you know, you need to understand with Tyrod Taylor, you're not competing for a playoff berth. You know, you got a great defense. Um, the window, I think, is now to develop Herbert and capitalize on that rookie uh, contract. So I think what he showed was an extremely encouraging. And if you're not having conversations internally about, hey, you know, we gave this guy like five minutes notice and he came out and did considerably well. You know, we weren't even considering starting him and he came out and proved to us that he can handle it. They need to have some serious conversations internally about potentially starting him moving forward because this every game you waste is a, a, de- a development halt for Herbert moving forward. I think um, you know th- there's this whole stigma about benching quarterbacks, and I understand giving people time to to learn, but this is not like Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre. This is this is like if Aaron Rodgers was sitting behind Doug Peterson, you know, or some backup quarterback that's <laughs> yeah. starting. So. In my opinion, you get Herbert out there, give him some game action, man, and, and let him learn. Let him learn and, and develop. He proved that he has the physical traits. He also proved that he was a little confused on some plays. I remember there was like a handoff play where he handed, he tried to hand the ball off wrong on the, the wrong side. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was encouraging. And not a lot of people, I think, rookies in particular, can come out week two, limited offseason, and five minutes notice before the game that you're going to be the starter and put up the numbers he did and, and put yourself in a position to beat the former Super Bowl champs. So, you know, I, I, I think this is a perfect position for the rest of the team to rally behind Herbert as well and have them move forward with their new guy and their new leader. And I think it was more like five seconds notice instead of five minutes. Like he, he found out after the coin flip that he was starting. Oh, really? Which is, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about Herbert, he's not a guy like Joe Burrow who just is confident. I mean, Joe Burrow, greatest college football season ever. First overall pick, he's he's the man. You can tell he's confident. Justin sure. Herbert, at least outwardly to the public, doesn't seem like that guy. He's more quiet, uh, kind of more reserve, and doesn't have the college success yeah. to build off of. So you got to build this guy's confidence at every step. Even when he does bad, you got to, hey, man, he's going to get better. He's doing the right things. Not when he's doing the right things and doing well, you can't knock him down. So Anthony Lynn, 
used to be high on that guy, and now I'm not too sure about him. In his defense, though, I will say, I mean, he, there was some other quotes. We took one out of uh, out of a whole context of things, but it really his overall presser led us to believe that they're not considering starting Herbert moving forward, which is the concerning part. But I mean, he did say things like he said the young man stepped up, and I thought he played yeah. well under the circumstances. You know, there were encouraging signs, mm-hmm. but overall, the takeaway was that it looks like Tyrod is the starter, which is unfortunate, I think, for the franchise. Yeah, I I, I agree. Cool. Let's move on to our winners and losers of week two. Um, where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start? I'll leave, I'll leave it up to you here. Do you want to start on the winning side or the losing side? What are you more excited about from, from the past week? <laughs> well, I think Kate should go first because he kind of ties into this whole debate yeah. we just had. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll change mine on the fly a little bit since we already covered the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Now that he's not starting i don't know that i really consider the chargers a winner but they prove that they have a team that's capable of competing with the best mm-hmm. and you know he played well but justin herbert also played well at times in college where he looked like a world beater throwing dots and dimes all over the place and then the next game he's throwing it into the dirt and sailing it into the stands and that inconsistency is really what made him the third quarterback selected um so i'm not i'm not necessarily ready to crown him right now but uh the chargers were going to be my winners they're no longer my winners because i don't believe in tyrod taylor and that's really been my concern the whole way through with the chargers that's why i had them three and 13 in the off season so i'm going to go off of a nice little fun monday night football game where the raiders upset the new orleans saints and you know i i my concerns with the saints came to be true a bit um they're very top disclaimer not to interrupt but i want you to let the people know between last episode and this episode you switched your pick because last it was a game of the week last week and you picked the saints you've had a lot of emotions this past week and (laughs) moral dilemmas and your decision has switched right so let people know what your uh that what you told us that they didn't know that they haven't heard yeah, you know, I looked deep into John Gruden's angry eyes, and uh, <laughs> I could tell his disappointment in me in not picking the Raiders to to open up their new stadium with a win. And uh, you know, like legitimately deep down, I felt like the Raiders just have a little bit of something right now, and they're being slept on a little bit. They have guys that can attack every every spot on the field. They have someone deep, even if Ruggs isn't catching balls, he's stretching the the defense. Darren Waller is proving that he's one of the best tight ends in the league. Josh Jacobs is legit. Derek Carr is a little bit shaky sometimes, but he moves that offense. He's accurate when he's on rhythm, uh, and uh, he's taking a little bit more deep shots, even if he's not connecting. And now that defense is starting to come together a little bit. They're they're not a world beater on defense, but Jonathan Abram played well. Uh, you got Max Crosby. You hope hope that uh, Cleveland Farrell comes along a little bit and. I think that Raiders team is more complete than a lot of people are realizing, and the the Saints team is less complete than a lot of people are realizing. Drew Brees has played poorly now for two weeks in a row. Um, he, he's losing accuracy. He's not pushing the ball downfield, and now you don't have Michael Thomas on top of that. So who really scares you on that team? Alvin Kamara? Emmanuel Sanders? Taysom Hill. Jared Cook? Taysom Hill? You know, these are guys that you can contain, right? If you can load up against Kamara and say, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, if you beat us, fine. But 
that was the main concern that I had with the Saints is that they're just too top heavy. And uh, now that they don't have one of those top guys, they're they're vulnerable to having dud offensive performances when Drew Brees isn't what Drew Brees used to be. So that's sort of what made me ultimately change my decision. And uh, the Raiders were able to grind things out, start a little bit slowly, but connected on some big plays. Darren Waller had a great game. Josh Jacobs played really well. And they were able to sustain offense and move the ball down the field, whereas the, the Saints were just not able to consistently do that. There's two things I wish that I accounted for before before I bet heavy on the Saints last night. The first fact, it was the first game in Las Vegas. The Raiders were going to be pumped. They were going to be ready to play. That, yeah. that was just stupid on my end. And also, looking back, the Saints have not won their first two games starting out 2-0 since 2013. So obviously, they're a team that kind of picks it up as they go along. But you have to be concerned about Drew Brees' arm. I mean, we'll talk about them later on the show as well. But his arm looks shot. And give credit to the Raiders. I mean, they played well. They didn't turn those into one ball. They had one fumble. But I don't think Carr had an interception. No. Uh, I don't think he is as dynamic as you think he is. I think he's looking for that two-yard throw every time instead of looking deep. Because um, you said he's not inaccurate going deep. He's like 70% of his passes from some crazy stat last year. So he can do that. I think you need to do more of that because soon these defenses will collapse hard on Waller. They'll jump his routes. So who knows the future, but for now they're 2-0 and and they're in first place. So can't uh, can't rag on them too much as much as I want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't say I want to say they're going to give the Chiefs a run for their money yet, but I think they're clearly the number two team in that division now and, and are going to be fighting for a wild card with the Broncos sort of imploding yeah, yeah. in the same way that the Niners did and oh, the Chargers now. Uh, being inconsistent with their quarterback. Yeah, I think my takeaway from this game is that Darren Waller is a beast. Like, even more so than Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs played well, but, I mean, he also had volume stats. Like, he had 27 carries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And his yards per carry were, were kind of average. But Darren Waller might be might be the best player on that offense. Um, so I don't I know. Think, he yeah, I think, yeah, I think he he's, is. He's uh, special, dude. Him, him and Jacobs. Yeah. Him and Jacobs are, like, 1A and 1B true but i feel like the value you get and the mismatch yeah. potential from yeah. from waller is more than like jacobs true. could i don't want to say he's replaceable but um you can find production at the running back position in other ways you can't yeah. find somebody to do what darren waller just did so uh yeah i mean casey i might be hopping on this hype train with you buddy this is uh <laughs> this was a pretty encouraging victory from uh, the raiders yeah, for sure. And it gives me confidence that the Packers can also beat the, the Saints on Sunday night next sure. week, which we'll we'll get yeah. into later. Yeah, absolutely. Durgan, why don't we go to your winner? Yeah, my winner is actually a person who lost his game this past week, but it's Cam Newton. I mean, he looked phenomenal Sunday night against the Seahawks. 30 of 44, almost 400 yards passing, 47 yards rushing, was stopped on the one-yard line uh, to win the game. But he accounted for 96% of the team's offense. That is incredible. And he did it in a way I was much more impressed. I mean, he looked more agile. His arm looked very live. I mean, he hasn't played a full season in years. So I'm not too uh, optimistic still about his longevity this season. But for now, the Patriots looked like a legitimate contender. And I said Cam Newton was done last year. I said he's going to retire, never play again, proving me wrong. He looked like a stud. 
And he looks better than Tom Brady did last year with the same weapons. So that's something to think of. Yeah. Well, he's more dynamic, so I'm not surprised. But he likes to rush, similar to another uh, quarterback that you love. Anyway, Casey, uh, go ahead. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Completely different runners. Uh, I I was just going to say. But, yeah, he's looked good, and and your point about the offense looking better is is very true. I mean, it seems a little bit more live and capable of scoring. And uh, I don't think if we said last year, you know, if the Seahawks put up 35, that the Patriots are really going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, And now I think you do have confidence that you can win shootouts with Cam Newton uh, on the Patriots. And, um, you know, Brady is struggling down in Tampa a little bit. Uh, The chemistry might not be there, but uh, he's still thrown three interceptions and and hasn't looked super stellar. So the the Patriots may have finagled a, a big win in somehow letting go of the GOAT and signing Cam Newton. Yeah, I'm a big Cam fan. He's fun to watch, man. He's really entertaining. And uh, I said it last year when we were talking about him. I said I still think he's got some juice left, and he's looking like he does, guys. I mean, uh, you can win multiple ways with him, which is why I think this offense is just way more dynamic than it was last year because the best way to counter having kind of lackluster, I won't say lackluster because Edelman's a good player and Nikhil Harry could be good, but lackluster uh, receivers is having a dual threat quarterback. I mean, Ravens don't have phenomenal receivers. You have a second year player who has promise, but um, a lot of teams with these uh, quarterbacks that can be dual threats, you're gonna see you're gonna see some surprising things. And I think Cam Newton uh, is up there with the best of them. He does it differently. He's not uh, elusive, but man, like I should I wish I drafted him in fantasy now. Yes. I'm like sad about it because he's <laughs> he's getting all sorts of rushing touchdowns and um, he's looking like vintage Cam. They're getting the best out of him. For, For sure. sure. Um, let's move on to the last winner. Casey will probably need a break to contain his excitement from my pick for for this week. But it's got to be the Green Bay Packers. I mean, back-to-back 40-point games. They did it differently in each game, proving that they can both run and be elite through the air with uh, with both of their primary uh, stars on offense um, in skill positions between Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Casey, you know, tr- trying to vindicate your uh, your picks here with them being top two was, at their I respective I was trying positions. to tell you guys. I was trying to put you on to them. Well, yeah, only, I mean, they can, only, only if they can play the terrible-looking Vikings defense and Lions every week will those guys be uh, top five players to their, their position. So, Well, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. The, we'll see what happens. But, I'm, I mean, so far through two weeks, you know, we look oh, at yeah. week two performance, Aaron Jones – 236 total yards and three touchdowns in week two. And then you had Devontae Adams in week one with 14 receptions, 156 uh, receiving yards and two touchdowns. Like they're showing up when they need to, and they're winning how they need to, to beat the teams they're playing. So it's, it's really incredible to watch. And it really feels like the, the, you're turning the clock back and watching Aaron Rodgers play, you know, five, 10 years ago, the way he has, where we were familiar seeing him play. Um, But this is the eighth team in the Super Bowl era to score 40 plus points in each of their first two games of a season. And those two teams, uh, each of those last two such teams, the two, sorry, I'm saying this very poorly. <laughs> the last two teams to do it both went to the Super Bowl in that season. And that was the 2013 Broncos when Manning had like 5,500 yards and crazy touchdowns. Um, and then in 2009, it was the Saints. So this is a good sign. All things are are looking good if you're if you're the Packers right now. You're gonna you know need to f- face some stiffer competition and and see how it goes there. But um, this is how you want to start if if you were to write write up the the season. So 
I'm on board. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm. I think the Packers have a good shot to be the best team in the NFC. I'm not gonna lie. But like, I think it's one quick point. Aaron Rodgers looks freaking amazing. Yeah. That 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 that's, I mean, he looks amazing. So, go for it. That that's that's my point. That's all I got. Oh, this is the <laughs> third time in the Rodgers era that the Packers have scored. 40 points in back-to-back games um and each of those previous two times in 2011 2014 rogers won the mvp award so he's yeah, playing there you go on pace high to be level at that at that level you may have competition with russell wilson but he's playing phenomenally all things considered since our expectations were maybe he may not be the same aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I feel like you guys are trying to butter me up to pick against the Packers later on in the episode or something like that. I'm, I'm, my spidey <laughs> senses are tingling, but uh, I appreciate the Packers' love. And they're playing well right now, but like you guys sort of said, they, they need to see some stiffer competition. I think it might be a little bit of the narrative that the 49ers faced last year of, you know, oh, well, you haven't beaten anybody. Uh, so until they start to do that, and knock off some good teams they play some good teams coming up here in the next few weeks with the the bucks and the saints um and eventually the 49ers uh, and if they can you know be competitive or win those games i think you know people are going to start to take notice um they definitely have an opportunity to to go pretty far as far as seeding goes in the nfc especially with the 49ers banged up I think their real competition is going to be, you know, the Seahawks. It's going to be the NFC West. It's going to be the Cardinals, Seahawks, and 49ers mm-hmm. um, because the other divisions are looking a little bit more shaky. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, you know, before week two, I'll, I'll start with my loser, actually, because before week two, um, I would have said that in week one, you played a good team in the Vikings and yeah. kind of proved it and, and established, you know, that this team is good. But then week two came along and who, who, who knows what's going on with the Vikings. Uh, So I'm going to say I'll start with the losers and I got to stay in the NFC North and I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins as my biggest loser of the week. Uh, Kirk Cousins had the worst game of his, basically his career at this point. Uh, 11 for 26, no touchdowns, three interceptions, QB rating of 15.9, which is incredibly ridiculously low. Vikings 0-2 now. Um, The rushing game has been kind of lackluster compared to previous years with uh, new coordinator Gary Kubiak. Last year they were 6th in rushing. Right now they're 18th, which is not really what you want to see when you have a a, a lot of money dedicated to Dalvin Cook. So all in all, I mean, this team, a lot of question marks. I mean, it's kind of almost parallel to my Eagles in the sense that there's probably some expectations coming into the season. They have not lived up to it. Um, And similarly, the offensive line has struggled to give Kirk Cousins anything to work with. He's been under constant pressure. And meanwhile, Stephon Diggs is over in Buffalo just killing it, 150 yards last week, and that's more than the entire Vikings passing offense had. So um, not looking too hot in Minnesota. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they have a lot of youth in that secondary now. Um, The offensive line is still an issue and they don't have a ton of weapons outside of Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. So, uh, you know, on, on paper, you can sort of understand why they're they're struggling, and now that Anthony Barr is also out for the season, uh, it's only going to get tougher. And, uh, you know, I don't really know what to say other than that. Uh, I, I won't count him out because Mike Zimmer is a, a very good coach, and he can sort of rally that defense and get things going, especially, especially when they get a little bit more healthy. Uh, and in Gakwe settles in on all that kind of stuff they may you know fight and, and claw their way into a wild card um, 
but they're 0-2 in a division here with the Packers who are 2-0 and and already have a tiebreaker over them. So they're, they're not in a good spot right now. You might not count them out, but I am counting them out. This team is done. Uh, <laughs> a week two stick a they, fork they in are, them? I mean, they might make a playoff push, get seven, eight wins, but people had high hopes for them. People were saying that they could dethrone the Packers as the NFC yeah. North champions. They just don't have it. They don't have the offensive weapons. I was never a huge fan of Dalvin Cook. Uh, not his fault. His offensive line is terrible. But they don't have Stephon Diggs. That guy really, really did a lot for them. Adam Thielen is a good receiver, but he's getting old, and he's not a dynamic athlete. So there's, a, there's nothing that excites me about this team. Kirk Cousins is mayonnaise. He does nothing for me. <laughs> he, he's just totally average. And then Anthony Barr, their best defender, second-best defender, third, one of their defenders, he's out. Yeah. Not good. And they have no defensive tackles, like I said, week one. So teams can just run all day on them. And the Colts, I mean, they lost to the Jaguars week before, and they just blew them out. So, not good. And Justin Jefferson, your first-round pick, is looking sort of mediocre. Uh, yeah. I know he's a rookie, and it takes time to develop, but it hasn't really shown any flashes, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's early, and when Kurt Cousins is throwing as poorly as he yeah, is, it's tough to get stats and, and show up out there. Um, so, uh I don't know. We'll see. It's the, the rookies are still young. They haven't had a training camp. This is like their training camp. You know, yeah. the yeah. first couple you know months of the season is sort of when they're figuring stuff out, and then mid-season or so we can really start to judge those guys. Um, but I'll uh, since the Vikings are also kind of being hit with injuries, I'll go to my loser, who are the Denver Broncos, who just got hit with a bunch of injuries themselves. Uh, they lost Von Miller early on to that freak foot injury now Cortland Sutton's out for the year with an ACL um Durgan and Cyrus's favorite quarterback in the NFL Drew Locke has a shoulder injury so now he's out for a number of weeks uh Luke Driscoll actually looked decently good uh he stayed in in that game with the the Steelers and and made the Broncos mildly competitive and and kept it close um but they're now 0-2 in a division that has the Chiefs and the Raiders in it so uh, that's not a good start. And now you've got a bunch of injuries. Uh, Philip Lindsay is also out. Uh, so I don't really know what the identity or what the path is going forward for the Broncos to, to start getting into games and winning some games. They, they've, they've lost two close ones. They were competitive. Uh, but ultimately, you need those wins. Uh, and they don't have them right now. And they Blake, won't. And Blake Bortles, <laughs> Blake Bortles is the new backup quarterback. That's yep. how bad things have gone there. Oh, it's they not Jeff Driscoll? He's starting now. He's starting. No, Driscoll. Driscoll oh, oh, yeah. oh, got it. I thought it's you meant backup. Uh, Bortles is the backup. Yeah. yeah. Backup. So this, Bortles was the third. Yeah. String. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And um, this team reminds me a lot of the 2018 Niners, who mm-hmm. had a quarterback here before, going on a winning streak. Young guy gave him some hope, picked up some pieces, but then the quarterback gets injured. And then other guys get injured. Now they're going to have a rough stretch here where they might lose a lot of games. And poor Vic Fangio, after being an NFL coordinator and coach for like 30 years, gets his chance, and this happens. So uh, the future might be bright, but this season might be a struggle for them. I think it absolutely will be a struggle. And, um, you know, it's just – it's kind of done. Stick a fork in them. You want to call a team done, this is the team to call done. Not yeah. – uh, not the Vikings. This team, you know, uh, it's going to be tough to come back, even if Locke, uh, I don't know. How, do we know how many games Locke's going to be out for? Or two to six. Kind of TBD. 
two to six. Very so wide range, but that's it's, that's his, that's it's his throwing shoulder too. So. Yeah. So even if he comes back, four. even if he comes back, it may not be a good. He may not play well with with that shoulder. It may not be a hundred percent. So I'm anticipating this to be a kind of a lost season for the Broncos, unfortunately. And it was going to be kind of exciting to see what Sutton and Judy could do together. Um, mm-hmm. But get a good draft pick, tool up for next season, and see what see what Lock can do. I really wanted to see Locke play, man. I, I'm I'm high on him, and he played decently in the beginning of the season. Um, so I don't know. I'm sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my loser is I think the easiest loser of the week, Atlanta Falcons. There really is no explanation needed if you are a fan of the NFL and were near TV on Sunday, blew a huge lead. Uh, Dan Quinn should be fired. Should have been fired after last year. Should be fired right now. Uh, somehow still around. I mean, he should have fired a special teams coordinator because obviously they didn't know the rules of onside kicks and that you could touch the ball before it gets 10 yards if you're the team receiving it. Because the onside kick wasn't even that good at onside kick. It was kind it of an happened. interesting one, though. It, it, it was, was a different I mean, take on it. Yeah. It wasn't a bouncer. So, I mean, you just could have jumped on it. It wouldn't have squirted it out. But they they didn't know the rules, it seemed They like. were confused. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and I mean, McCarthy, I mean, everyone's kind of arguing, Mina Kimes, Kimes, whoever the name is on uh, ESPN and Twitter, talked about how he went for two, McCarthy did, down nine, when the mm-hmm. conventional is to kick the field goal and then play for later. Yeah. I think you, I mean, I'm not getting the huge analytics debate now, but I, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I think you kick the field goal, get, or kick the extra point, give yourself a chance at the end of the game to get that two-point conversion to make it eight instead of nine. But besides the point, because they won, and... Dan Quinn is a terrible head coach. I mean, I think the logic is by going for two early, you know what you need to yeah. do later on. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, get, I get it from that argument, but no matter what, you have to have that urgency regardless. And if you're not, then you're a poorly coached team, which the Falcons are. That that they are. I, yeah. Uh, you know, I was high on them coming into the season, and uh, they are proving me wrong yeah. in the first two weeks. So, um they seem to have the collapsing gene, even without Shanahan on the on the team anymore. Yeah, um, managing to give up big big leads. But uh, yeah, yeah, if if you want sort of a stat to paint the picture of how bad this was, entering week two, teams were four hundred and forty and zero when scoring thirty nine points with zero turnovers. <laughs> oh god! The Falcons are now that one out of four hundred and forty <laughs> that they, they gave were... up that lead and lost a game in which you scored thirty nine points and do not turn the ball over. They were up nine and with like three minutes to go in the ball. Like, yeah. How does yeah. that happen? Oh, man. Poor Matt Ryan. Complete Matt utter Ryan. collapse. Very unfortunate um, as an Eagles fan, too, because you were kind of looking forward to that zero and two, zero and two Cowboys Eagles <laughs> <Yeah>. fight um, <laughs> with Washington Gosh. football team at the top. Uh, oh, let's move on uh, to our games of the week for week three. Uh, first up, we have Casey's new favorite team, the Raiders. <laughs> at the Patriots. What do we think will shake out here, Durgan? Let's start with you. So I'm going to go with Patriots 31, Raiders 21. You're giving Bill Belichick the extra day, and the Raiders have to fly across country after an emotional win. I think it's going to be an easy one for the Patriots. Like I said, I'm a big believer now in Cam Newton. I think the Raiders' offensive lines will be banged up. Incognito got injured. Trent Brown might still be injured. Uh, Patriots' defense hasn't looked great yet. They not, have not looked great, but I think this is the week they'll get back on track and kind of smother that run offense and then force Derek Carr to beat you, and I don't think he can beat them. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the biggest challenge for the Raiders, I think, is going against Bill Belichick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I would wager quite a bit of money that John Gruden is a guy that holds a grudge. And now he's facing a team in New England. Um, and he's got a guy on his team at safety who's wearing 24 to honor Charles Woodson. And you think of that tuck game, tuck rule game, where the the Raiders got knocked out of the playoffs um, to the Patriots. And here is a chance for vindication. You know, the Raiders are on the up and up. Maybe the Patriots are on a very mild decline, or maybe they're on the way up, as we we spoke about earlier. But the Seahawks ran for 154 yards against the Patriots. Vegas is a better run team than... Uh, this the Seahawks are so New England's gotta buckle up and figure out how to stop the run Um, the big question is is really can they win with somebody that's not Darren Waller or Josh Jacobs Uh, because I think Bill Belichick is going to do his best to take those two guys away just like Durgan was saying and he's going to make Derek Carr find someone else to beat him Um, but the Raiders have the personnel that fit Gruden's system now the Raiders defense has some issues but they're getting better um as far as the Patriots go, who scares you on that offense? They do have a bunch of nobodies on, on at the skill positions. They have Edelman and who else? Um, so if that, that defense can contain the Saints, I would imagine they will at least be able to contain the, the Patriots somewhat. I think Cam is probably better than Drew Brees at this point, and they're a little bit more dynamic in the run game there. Uh, but I just I'm I'm going all in with the Raiders. I'm going all in with the Raiders. Thirty to twenty eight. I'm taking the Raiders. Nice. And not only are you going all in with the Raiders, but you have convinced me as well um, <laughs> to jump on this bandwagon. I don't know about bandwagon. Uh, I don't know if we're quite there yet. But I think this matchup favors the Raiders because really, when I view the strengths of this Patriots defense, it's in the secondary. And I think that the Raiders are fine with that, and they're good. They're good to throw underneath with Darren Waller and run the ball. And I, I'll see. I think I'll see a. We'll see another Darren Waller game where we'll, we'll kind of have our jaws on the floor and be like, "Dude, how's this dude doing this as a tight end?" Um, and that's what I'm anticipating. The Raiders surprised me. I think Derek Carr has a lot of confidence coming into this game. I mean, these are you know the Patriots look good, but this is not the same Patriots team that we're used to dominating game in game out. Um, and the Raiders played very well against the Saints team that's no slouch I mean Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees didn't play with the same accuracy we're used to fine but that's still a good defense and uh you know still got some of the best skill positions in in Alvin Kamara there as running back so beating that team I think was a statement win for the Raiders and I think it, it kind of instills a lot of confidence in that locker room um you know guys are going to buy in to jump what John Gruden wants to do chew up that clock run the ball and uh I think maybe maybe uh we see Henry Ruggs get get one deep on Stephon Gilmore this game. You know, DK Metcalf was absolutely kind of demolishing Stephon Gilmore when uh, the Seahawks played the Pats. He burned him yeah. a few times. And, I mean, I get it. DK's a physical specimen. He's 6'4 and runs like a 4'3", 4'4". But uh, Ruggs, is, Ruggs is fast. If he can get some separation, this might be uh, the first time we see that deep threat come into play, uh, as long as Derek Carr can hit him. So I'm going to go Raiders 34, Pats 24. Um, I think... Cam has a big impact as well, but it won't be enough to keep pace with uh, the Raiders' offense, who's going to have the ball most of the game. That's my I'm take. Nice. Let's go Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next game. we got the Rams at the Bills, who had an interesting performance last week. What do we think shakes out in this one? Yeah, so the Bills have played two bad teams and beat them. 
And the Rams have played two above average, average, below average, we all know, two NFC East teams and one. So you think, conventional wisdom, the Rams have the advantage. However, they, like the Raiders, are traveling across country versus a team that wants to run the ball but ends up having the guy who's leading the league in passing yards right now in Josh Allen. Josh Allen, in the past, we've been up and down on him. He's still not a complete product, but he's getting better every game, which is great news if you're a Bills fan. Goff, I still like him, but watching that game against the Rams, he played very well. I still think he misses a few throws. And after two wins, I got to go with the Bills. Better defense, can get pressure. Also, Tredavious White will shut down Woods or Cup, either one. So, 24-21 Bills, a very close game that will go either way. I mean, you said the the Bills can get pressure, but that's sort of where I zeroed in on the Rams having the, the advantage, is who's on that defensive line that's really going to be an impact player other than Ed Oliver, maybe. Um, I mean, the, the Rams ran for 191 yards against the Eagles and 153 yards against the Cowboys. Like, that Sean McVay outside zone run game is clicking like it was a couple of years ago and they look like a more complete and focused team this year mcveigh's made some uh, adjustments to the offense they're less predictable predictable um they're less stagnant their new defensive corner brandon staley looks pretty good he's added some looks on the defensive side of the ball and it just seems like everything is clicking for the rams and if the the bills can't stop that run game they're going to be in for a long day, just like the Eagles and the, the Cowboys found out. Uh, if you can't stop that run game, you're going to have a difficult time stopping anything else that the Rams do. And while Josh Allen is, is playing well and he's cleaned up a lot of his issues, he still tends to miss some some open receivers. He has some mechanical issues still. Um, they're, they're cleaner and they're better, like Durgan said. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be as polished as he needs to be, and if Singletary will be able to get loose against that Rams defensive line with Aaron Donald and um, Brockers and, and those guys filling in at linebacker and uh, in the secondary as well is going to you know be a good matchup with uh, Ramsey and, and Diggs, and we'll see if Cole Beasley can get going and stuff like that. But I'm taking the Rams 28 over the Bills with 24. Um, I'm with you. The Bills are in for a rude awakening this week. You beat the Jets. You beat Miami. Whoop-de-doo. Good for you. You beat two teams <laughs> who you should beat. You barely beat Miami. Who, you, who? I mean, Josh Allen had to have the game of his life for you to beat Miami. Um, so I am not convinced that they're of the same level and caliber as this Rams team after watching them, um, after watching them play the Eagles last week. This Rams team has it all, man. Um you know, the one thing that I thought might be an issue is the lack of an elite rush rusher and, and running back once you lose Todd Gurley. But Daryl Henderson came out, played well. They're doing it by committee. If Cam Akers, if Cam Akers can go, there's another guy who's dynamic. I think this team is surprising a lot of people. You know, coming into the season, I was not high on the Rams. I thought they might be the worst team in the NFC West. But they still might be. But that division is so stacked that the worst team in the NFC West still could be a really good team in the NFC. So... I think that the Rams dominate this game um, the same way that they did against the Eagles, almost in similar fashion, 35-21. to 21. No love. No love for my Bills. <laughs> bills Mafia. I like the Bills, just not against... I'll, I'll, jump, through, I'll jump through a table when they uh, win this week. <laughs> okay. 
Nice. Looking forward to that. It'll be on Twitter. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, let's go on to the next one. This could be an interesting one. I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Uh, Cowboys at Seahawks. Yeah. Two words. Russell Wilson. Cowboys defense has not been good. Mike Nolan is not a defense coordinator. Not a good one, at least. Uh, Trevon Diggs looks like a pretty good corner, actually, who has been a second-round pick this year. He might be a steal. Besides that, the secondary is a mess. And the Seahawks, if they can light up the Patriots' secondary with Stephon Gilmore, he's going to have a field day against the Cowboys. I think they went 35-30 for the sole fact that the Seahawks have no pass rush and Jamal Adams can't cover anybody, it looks like. He can blitz you. <laughs> yeah. He can stop you in a run, but he can't cover anybody. So the Seahawks or the Cowboys need to spread it out and throw the ball 50 times a game to keep it close. But ultimately, Seahawks too much for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are just, uh, you know, we came into the season touting the, the Cowboys skill group, and it looks like the Seahawks are not even very far behind them. DK Metcalf looks awesome and has the makings of a true number one receiver. Lockett is still there making plays. Uh, you have Olsen and Disley. And like Durgan was saying with the, the secondary of the Cowboys, uh, they're lacking talent and they're going to be in trouble. Russell Wilson is cooking. And I, I just don't think the Cowboys offense is going to be consistent enough to keep pace. Uh, they had a great game in the second half against Atlanta, scored like 30 points or something, had 300 plus yards. But uh if you get behind like you did against Atlanta and you get behind against the Seahawks in the same way, uh, you're not coming back. But I, I hate to break it to you. I like Mike McCarthy, but the offense still looks kind of stale. And I am uh, not a believer in the Cowboys. So I'm taking the Seahawks 38 uh, to 24 over the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm with you. If you if you turn the ball over as the Cowboys, you're not going to win this game. You're not going to come back the way you did against the Falcons and somehow surprisingly sneak out a victory. Um, this is a different breed of team, the Seahawks team, and I think they put up a massive amount of points against this Cowboys secondary. Russell Wilson continues his MVP tear, um, destroys what is not a great secondary for the Cowboys, and we see like a 45-point game from the Seahawks, um, and the Cowboys get to run 33. So I'm going to say 45-33 Seahawks take this one um, and continue on their roll. Let's move on to Casey's favorite game of the week. We got the Packers <laughs> yeah. at the Saints. Casey, you go ahead. This is your this is your game. This, this is your game, man. <laughs> you got this. Okay. Uh, well, Cyrus hyped them up a little bit earlier, but they they've scored over forty points two weeks in a row. They have over a thousand yards of offense on the year. The offense is coming together and becoming more cohesive in year two under Matt Lafleur. Uh, but now it's time to get play against a, a team that was a Super Bowl contender at least going into the season. Um, you know they haven't ruled out Michael Thomas. They didn't put him on the three-week IR, so it's possible he plays this week, and I think they need him to have a chance. Uh, the Packers' defense has been shaky at times and, and really good for other stretches, uh, but my, my, my concerns for the, the Saints stays the same. Uh, no one really scares me outside of Kamara. Uh, Sanders and Cook are, are solid, but they're not game wreckers, and Rodgers has been sacked one time so far this year. Uh, Cam Jordan could change that depending on if he's matching up against Bakhtiari or not but otherwise the offensive line has been stellar even though there's been some movement and some guys coming in and out with injuries uh, if Rodgers isn't touched the Packers are gonna blow the Saints out um, I think Aaron Jones is too dynamic uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had a couple big plays and if Devontae Adams is healthy uh, I think that'll be one of the, the the fun matchups to watch is him versus uh, Lattimore 
but I've got the Saints, or, well, I have the Saints losing, 37-30 to 30 <laughs> to the Packers. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the story of this game won't be the offenses, but the defenses. The Saints' offense did not look, or defense did not look great against the Raiders' offense, and that is troubling, but I think they'll turn it around. Uh, they need to shut down Devontae Adams, they need to shut down Aaron Jones and make a guy like MVS beat you, make those tight ends beat you. Try to think mm-hmm. of ways to think outside the box, get some pressure on Rodgers. But I think the Packers defense will also do relatively well uh, and kind of shadow Kamara with a very underrated player in Jair Alexander. Hell of a player. He's going to get paid a lot mm-hmm. of money uh, when he's up for a contract, I think after this year or the year after that. But one thing yeah. to note, the Saints have not lost back-to-back games since week one and week two of 2017. Better coaching, in my opinion. At home, Give me the Saints 31-28. Well, all the nice things you said about Aaron Rodgers earlier, now you're I, – I take back the – 28 points. You're dead to me now. 28 points. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I won't be surprised if Packers win. How about that? Uh, that's okay. Well, <laughs> that's a medium. You're on the medium show list. Go ahead. <laughs> I won't be surprised either because I'm picking the Packers to win. Um, and really – I think it's going to be Drew Brees. If we see Drew, the way Drew Brees played against the Raiders come against this Packers team, who I think is better than the Raiders, um, it's not really going to be close, in my opinion. But I think Drew Brees bounces back. I mean, we're used to this guy being one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. And even with Michael Thomas playing, um, I still think the Packers kind of not dominate, but continue to roll and score 40 points again. Um, this offense is just in a rhythm that I you rarely see, and Aaron Rodgers is playing at the highest level that he has really played at. Like this is this is peak Aaron Rodgers we're seeing. So if he can continue this, you can't stop it. Uh, no matter how no matter how good the the Saints uh, defense is or secondary is, Marshawn Lattimore is not going to stop uh, you know prime Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to pick Packers 44, Saints 38. I think this is going to be a, a shootout and an exciting game. Um, but I got to pick the Packers who are rolling. It's going to be a good game. All these games yeah, are really good games. We got a good week ahead of us really for sure. Um, you know, even the toilet bowl could be interesting. I don't oh, know. Oh, gosh. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, let's go to our last regular game before the toilet bowl. This one's another interesting one. I think this is the Monday night football game. We got yep. the Chiefs at the Ravens. One of the more anticipated games of this season for sure. Uh, Saint, or the Chiefs did not look great against the Chargers. But I think they'll be actually ready to go and not sleepwalk in the first half like they were this past week. And the one Ravens weakness, I mean, two Ravens weaknesses they have is that lack of a deep safety and lack of a premier linebacker. Besides that, this team is stacked across the board. However, the Chiefs have speed to beat you deep. The Chiefs have Travis Kelsey right over the middle. Those linebackers, I don't think, can guard Travis Kelsey. Uh, even though I do like Patrick Queen as a rookie, but he's not at that level of trying to stop Travis Kelsey. Uh, Ravens have been great. They're the best team in the league, in my opinion. But Lamar has not been as a dynamic of a runner as in the past, which is surprising. I have to last year, better runner, not as good a passer. This year, it's kind of flipped. So we'll see what the Chiefs do. I mean, they couldn't stop Justin Herbert, so I don't know how they're going to stop Lamar, but I think they find a way to do it. Whoever has the ball last wins this game, but give me the better player at Patrick Mahomes, 27-24 Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed most of the big points. I think the Ravens are a more complete team, but they ha- uh, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, who's the best player in the NFL right now. Um, 
in this case, I'm going with the more complete team, though. Um, they have a better defense. They're, they have uh, probably uh, a push on the offensive line. They have some really good running backs. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson's a little bit more dynamic in the run game. He's going to need to run a little bit more yeah. this game, I think. Um, and I think it's all really going to come down to Chris Jones earning that paycheck. And uh, if that Kansas City defense can slow down the run game and make the Ravens throw more than they want to, I think they're going to have a better chance to win. Um, but ultimately, I don't think they're going to be able to shut down that run game and the Ravens are going to be able to control the ball, minimize possessions for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And uh, I think a play on on, off, on uh, defense or special teams is going to end up making this play. And although Butker made three 50-yard field goals in a row, uh, I still think Justin Tucker is the best field goal kicker in the in the NFL right now. So I'm going to go with the Ravens, 30 to 27. Nice. Well, we all have this as a three point game because I got the Ravens winning as well, 36 to 33. Um, and really, the deciding factor for me is the Kansas City defense is ranked 27th in rush defense. It's only two games but they're not stopping the run. It's not how they're winning games, right? And I think that plays directly into the strength of this Ravens offense, um, which we've seen in the past. Uh, teams that are not stop not stopping the Ravens and making them do other things just get rolled over and, and destroyed by this rush, rush offense. So I'm going to say the Ravens have another potential 200-yard rush game. I called it last week. It happened. I'm going to say again this week, it's a potential 200-yard rush uh, total across all players and the Ravens take this by uh, a field goal at the end 36-33 there we go a lot of we're, we're more diverse in our picks this week yes. than we were last week we're we read yeah. almost every game last week I feel like I picked the same as you Casey yeah hey man you're 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 buying what I'm selling and I'm loving it you know the only one I was wavering on was the Raiders you kind of sold me on that the others I would, <laughs> I would have already picked um, I'm less confident on the Raiders one too but uh, That's the one we'll that you, you influenced. Uh, let's move on to our last one. We got the uh, everyone's favorite, the most anticipated game of the week, the Toilet Bowl. This week, we have football team versus oh, the Browns. There, there is almost <laughs> The Washington a, football team. Unless there's a crazy moment in this game, there's almost a 0% chance I actually watch this game. I mean, gosh, both these I'll teams. watch it on Red Zone. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Oh, <laughs> they won't get featured that much, I think. Um, yeah. I have the Browns 21 uh, for like. Beating them 21-14. Wasn't impressed with them on Thursday Night Football. Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in the AFC North. Uh, Joe Burrow looked a lot better, in my opinion, than him. Uh, because, especially with the amount of weapons Baker has. Especially a running back. That one-two punch with uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think that's the reason why they win this game. Because the Washington football team has a great pass rush. But if you run the ball down their throats, not as effective. Also being said, Dwayne Haskins... Not good. Actually, he's very bad. Not getting better at all. Uh, and he can't win you games. So I think it's best for this football team actually to lose games and try to get themselves a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit differing opinion on, on Baker. I thought he looked pretty good on Thursday. Uh, he looked certainly better than week one. He yeah. looked more efficient. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Couldn't be worse. Yeah, Chubb and Hunt played really well. There was an OBJ sighting. Uh, Austin Hooper got involved. And, uh, you know, that run game is maybe the most deadly part of that offense. And I think Stefanski is starting to learn how to use those guys together uh, and in tandem and, and doing some interesting things there. Um, but the, the Bengals offensive line got tore up by the Cleveland defensive line. So uh, 
I don't think that Haskins is going to have a ton of time. And ultimately, I think the Browns are just a more complete team. Even if they underperform, I think they should still beat the uh, the Washington football team. And so I'm taking the Browns 31-20 to 20 over Washington. Yeah, I feel similarly. I mean, I don't think – I'm I'm a little torn on Baker Mayfield. He didn't do anything that, like, blew me away last week, but he played, he played okay. He did what he had to do for them to win the game. And really, man, I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt might be the best one-two punch at running back in the league. Um, trying to think of a better duo, I don't think there is in, in terms of running back talent. So I think that's how they win this game for sure. I mean, you talk about 200-yard rushing games, this is going to be one. The Browns are going to be pounding that ball um, into that Washington front and make that pass rush irrelevant, like Durgan said. So I'm going to pick the Browns as well, 28, and Washington I think is going to struggle mightily um, against this uh, Cleveland defense and score 10 points. So I'm going to say 28 to 10. Uh, Browns take this one. Uh, and then we got an, uh, I want to I want to give a quick shout out. This was Casey's insertion into the podcast here, but we got an honorary toilet bowl. We don't necessarily need to dive into it, but I want to troll Durgan. We got the 49ers <laughs> with Nick Mullins at the Giants. Hey, it's not confirmed yet. Nick Mullins will start. Jimmy G is somehow the most <laughs> healthy guy. Actually, Jimmy G played better after he sprained his ankle, which kind of uh, just goes to show how crazy 2020 is. Uh, but yeah, the Niners practice squad will be taking on the Giants. Which is also a practice squad team, so yep. <laughs> it might be pretty even. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'll, I, be, a that'll be, yeah, be a barn burner. And I'll, I also can't, barn burner. I can't give any analysts to it because I don't know who's healthy for Niners. Sure, so, yeah. yeah. Who's who's playing for them? We'll find out someday. Can't fault you for that. <laughs> Cannot fault you for that. Let's wrap things up there, though, on episode fifty-seven of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you for tuning in and sticking with us. We are super stoked that football is back and we get to cover it with all of you. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in. Check out our website, weeklyspiral.com. All of our socials are on there. We have a bunch of information of upcoming blog posts and YouTube videos that you can check out. Uh, Casey, do you want to let people know what they should be looking out for? Do you have that decided? Yes, I just decided this morning. Nice. I, I went and looked at the Cowboys and Falcons game last night, and I didn't love it. Nothing really changed schematically, uh, but I was going to cover that comeback. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys just stopped fumbling it, and that's how they sort of came back. <laughs> Keys to success. Um, Good strategy. Yeah. It's amazing what not turning the ball over does for your football team. Uh, but I decided to cover the Packers' use of the mesh concept. So it's a, a specific scheme that they, they've run um, like 13 or 14% of their pass plays th- this year. Um, so if you're interested in, in knowing what that is and how that works and the different variations that you, they use for that, you can go check that out. I'm sure it'll be called a couple of times against the Saints on Sunday Night Football so you can impress all your uh, FaceTime friends and say, like, hey, the Packers just ran mesh. Did you see that? Aaron Rodgers read it wrong or, like, he'd read it really well and now they're winning. So if you want to do that, go check out YouTube.com slash Weekly Spiral. It'll be out uh, probably, like, Thursday is what I'm shooting for. Nice. Nice. Love to hear it. Mesh, definitely one of my favorite Madden plays. Yeah, so I was good about to say Casey the same thing. Down. There you go. Great third down play on Madden. <laughs> Great third down, Great play, third on down play on Madden. What about you, Durgan? Anything you uh, want to let the listeners yes. know? Yes. Scouting report on Jamie Newman, former Wake Forest and Georgia quarterback who opted out and declared for the draft. He is not good, and I will tell you why. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing why he is not good. Uh, <laughs> this has been a weekly Sprout production bringing you fresh ball every week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We are really excited, as I said, and uh, looking forward to doing this week in, week out. Uh, stay tuned for episode 58 next week, and we hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day. It is awesome, and we'll see you next week. Next week.